0: In today's show, we're talking Miami Heat with Wes Goldberg of the Locked On Heat podcast, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael
1: Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.
0: Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed.
1: You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. We're going to talk Miami Heat in today's show. So there's lots, there's some interesting things. They Do they get better or worse? We'll find out. We'll find out what that means for some uh, rotation decisions. Are we going to do that? I don't don't know why I'm waffling so much. We're going to get into that right now. Warnie. Warnie? Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) All right, let's bring him back in. He's been on this podcast many times, sometimes covering the Heat, sometimes covering the Golden State Warriors. We are back, though, to do the Miami Heat, and that is with one of the Locked On Heat co-hosts, and that is, of course, Wes Goldberg. Wes, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. It's good to be here talking heat this time. This time last year, we were talking Warriors. We're talking heat now. And uh, it's a team, obviously, with high-level playoff expectations heading into the season after reaching the Eastern Conference Finals last season. And let's just start off how we start all these shows by looking at what happened in the offseason. And it's a barren list. In comes Nikola Marcus Garrett, Darius Days. They're the last two on two ways, and they lose PJ Tucker. Markeith Morris remains unsigned. Javante Smart and Michael Mulder are gone. A whole lot of nothing really happening there, Wiz. A whole lot of nothing. This was a team that was pretty much in a holding
1: pattern, trying to get Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell or some other star. And, of course, that did not happen. And so this is what they're left with. Um, This is also a team that's, you know, tried to stay out of the luxury tax. That was another one of their concerns too. So they let PJ Tucker walk. Markeith Morris never really found a spot in the rotation last year. They replaced Javante Smart and Michael Mulder with Marcus Garrett and Darius Days. They draft Nikola Jovic. So some developmental prospects are a little bit interesting down the line for this team. Um, But this is a team that's going to be relying on the guys that were in the rotation last year and some internal development.
0: Um, I guess the question there is PJ Tucker is gone. So, legitimately who is the power forward on this team. I, there, there isn't one that the only power forward on the team is this bloke right. They drafted at 27 and that's Nikola Jovic. I would highly doubt he's going to start. There's Haywood Highsmith. Who's a three. There's Caleb Martin. Who's a three. There's Jimmy Butler. Who's a three. Like mm-hmm. who, who's going to be, who's going to play the four.
1: The, you're right. Like the only fours on the roster are basically Nikola Jovic, who, when I asked him what position he thinks he is and, and about playing power forward, he called himself positionless, which is pretty good. Uh, for just sort of a messaging standpoint, but at some point you have to play a position for Miami. It might have to be power forward. That could also mean he has
0: no position on the court at all.
1: Right. Yeah. And again, you need to play one of the five spots at some point. And so um, I get it, but uh, he's very raw. He's very young. The Heat don't expect him to make an immediate impact. And they didn't draft him with that in mind, by the way, even though they were not sure what was going to happen at that position. Darius Days, same sort of thing, kind of in the PJ Tucker mold on that two-way contract. The Heat, use their two-way guys more than a lot of teams do so i do expect guys like darius days and marcus garrett to, to get minutes here and there but obviously not regular minutes unless something you know crazy happens or something some sort of injury opens that pathway but um you're right other than those guys who are developmental guys they don't really have a real power forward on the roster and so what will end up happening is that responsibility will fall to caleb martin who played mostly the wing position for them last year. Um, they re-signed him with the mid-level exception. And um, he's their best bet, right? And look, it's not a great bet. He's six foot five, not very heavy. Doesn't, you know, PJ Tucker's 6'5", five, but he's also six five the other way, too, six five wide. Caleb Martin isn't that, right? And so um, he's a good player. It was nice to get him re signed, but he's gonna be that fill-in at that point. And obviously they're gonna be going small with Jimmy Butler at the four a little bit here and there. But you can't do that with Jimmy Butler. Not at this age. You can't do it consistently, uh, especially when you need him to perform the way that he did in the postseason last year to get you to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? You're basically asking this guy to put up 30 and 10 every single night. Well, he's not going to be able to do that in the postseason if he's worn down by playing the power forward spot all regular season long. And so he'll see some spot minutes there. So will Caleb Martin. It's going to be probably a committee approach. But I also think this, this is a team ripe to make a move midseason and maybe address that spot.
0: Actually I, I think Butler at the 4 probably is the better option. I, I don't think there's is yeah, that how many how many dangerous power forwards are there around the league that are going to bang and smash? I, I don't know. But he's taller than Caleb Martin, he's stronger than Caleb Martin, he's a worse shooter than Caleb Martin. Um he's like a, why couldn't he play like a smaller sized LeBron sort of role? DeMar DeRozan played the 4 for the Spurs quite a bit as well in who and his game in Jimmy is not that dissimilar. Yeah, is is the four really that much of a of a physically taxing role in uh, in today's NBA?
1: I think in the Eastern Conference, when you when you look so at the teams, yeah, there's Giannis. There's teams in their division that trend a little bit bigger between you know Atlanta and Orlando. There, there's definitely guys with yeah. some heft at that spot. Um, Philadelphia is obviously a little bit bigger at that position now that they have PJ Tucker and they can even downshift with Tobias Harris, who is sort of that tweener forward, but much bigger than Jimmy Butler even still um there's some guys for sure but the other part about Miami's defense is it switches everything yeah. right at least it did last year and we expect that to be the case this coming season and so maybe there's a little bit less uh strain on somebody like Jimmy Butler if he's playing the 4 considering that hey if you just run like a 1-4 or a 2-4 sort of pick and roll all of a sudden Jimmy is switched onto a guard and that's much more easily manageable for him but the other part of that is, well, if you're another team with a four who can handle the ball a little bit, even if they're a little bit smaller, you could put Jimmy Butler in a switch with another center on him and then get Jimmy pinned onto a center, and then Bam is left covering the, 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 the ball-handling forward-slash-wing kind of guy, which is not a problem for Bam, but that's what P.J. Tucker was so valuable in last year for Miami is that he could, he could handle those centers when he got switched onto them, and you don't really want Jimmy to be in those spots either because then when you're talking about the centers in the East – now you're talking about Joel and B, yeah. talking about Robert Williams, talking about all these guys who are much bigger and, and much more of a problem there.
0: There's been a bit of buzz about Hayward Highsmith. Do you reckon there's any shot? And the Heat have no problem with these guys who nobody's heard of. Yeah. Nobody yeah. is in the general casual fan. Nobody's heard of G League players. Just have to look up and down the roster. Um, yeah, Caleb Martin, Max Struce, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent. Um, yet seven, like th- there's been so many guys, Hassan Whiteside, one of these guys, like that's come in and they've just said, all right, well, we, we believe, see what you can do. Is High Highsmith's got a little bit of that, bit of that size. Is there any shot that they just say, well, go in, just see what you can do. Get out there, play your 25 minutes as a starter and uh, we'll go from there.
1: I'm glad you brought him up because I didn't mention him before and I probably should have. This, uh, he really impressed Miami last year with his work ethic and then the production was there. During Summer League. It was Summer League, but that's something, right? No, he we saw well. Max Strews. He played well, and Max Struz played well last summer, mm. um, and, and that kind of paved the way, kind of got him on that track to eventually get some rotation spots, and then, lo and behold, he was starting by the time the playoffs came around. Uh, that would probably be the best case scenario for Haywood Highsmith, but when you look at his size, he's anywhere. He's listed between 6'6 and 6'8. I actually asked him about that. He's actually like in the middle at 6'7. Um, uh, It's some weird thing about his listing because he was listed too big or, or not big enough in, when he was in the G League, but whatever. Um He is bigger than Caleb Martin, probably even bigger than, uh, taller than probably Jimmy Butler or around the same height. Uh, and I, I talked to him about it last year. He wants to model his game after P.J. Tucker, and actually the Heat were molding him in that way when they called him up last season. They kind of looked at him as, sort of the backup version of PJ Tucker. He never really carved out those minutes late last season, but that could be a role for him going forward this season. Um, you asked me who I think would end up being the power forward for this team, at least starting, and I think right now uh, the inside track is with Caleb Martin, but that that is a spot that's going to be open in training camp for competition, and I think Haywood Highsmith would be the dark horse to go ahead and get it. I wouldn't rule it out. I'll put it that way. I would not rule out Haywood Highsmith somehow, Um grabbing that that power forward spot in the starting lineup.
0: It's an interesting spot. It's probably the weakest spot out of all of the contenders across the NBA, like weaker starting spot. So they're going to have to find a solution there. And maybe it is, maybe it is Highsmith. What about injuries? Are we uh, all clear heading into the season?
1: Yeah, uh, I think the only concern, it's not quite an injury, but the Kyle Lowry stuff that was lingering oh, yeah. last year uh, in terms of uh, in the playoffs, but then the personal issues that he was dealing with. Uh, according to all reporting, that those personal issues are still present in his life at this point. And so that would probably be the only thing is you wonder how much of an effect that will have this year, because last season we, of course, remember he had to miss quite a few uh, a few games, quite a bit of time because dealing with those personal issues. Um, so that would be the one thing I would say. But in terms of physical injuries, uh, we are in the clear right now for the year.
0: That's always great news injury-wise, but yes, there. I think I've mentioned that on this show a few weeks ago about Lowry's personal issues potentially still being uh, a problem this season. So it's obvious that we hope everything's all right and, and it can get resolved for him and his family, but it looks like that's going to have some sort of an impact uh, at some point this season. We're going to come back and talk starting lineup in a second, Wes, before we do that. A very important message. You're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many, and as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but you go, nah, I live nearby, I can make it home, okay, it's no big deal. What are the odds I get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Insurance goes up, you you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk, and the results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while they're under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads, to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. We've talked about this already, but I'll we'll just put it up for completeness sake, Wes. Starting 5 Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin, Bam Adebayo, but you think Tyler Hero is going to jump in there ahead of Max Strus? I do. Uh,
1: I, I think that there's quite a bit of pressure on Miami to see what it is that Tyler Hero looks like in the starting lineup. We remember a couple of years ago, they tried him out in that starting lineup, but that was at the point guard spot starting ahead of Goran Dragic. And mm. eventually, well, not eventually, it took like about two weeks of the season. They went, went ahead and swapped that back around and put Dragic back in the starting lineup, Tyler Hero um, back on the bench. And then last year, he won sixth man of the year. Uh, we assume now with the Kevin Durant news being done and and Donna Mitchell probably not coming to Miami, that, uh, this is pretty much the roster and that they're not going to make this superstar move. And so I think there's going to be some pressure on them to see if Tyler Hero could be that guy. They'll probably sign him to that extension now that they're not going to be dealing him potentially for a superstar. So you sign him to the extension, um, you know, that's going to, that'll kick in the following year, but that's a guy that you're going to see. Okay. Is this guy going to be worth 20 plus million dollars a year from now we got to see what he looks like in that starting lineup and look he was the best six man in the year uh uh, the best six man in the league last year winning six man of the year and so you kind of get you kind of earn a promotion don't you um and so i think with all also what the heat have been looking for is uh more scoring next to jimmy butler somebody who could take some of that scoring burden off of him um and so tyler hero kind of projects as the best answer to that problem, especially, again, they were looking for a star to potentially be that guy. They didn't find that guy. So what do you have on your roster that could best answer that question? And right now, it is Tyler Hero.
0: It's going to be really intriguing to watch. He played 33 minutes and night coming off the bench, which are huge minutes. He right. averaged 21 points. I'm not convinced that it's better for him to be in the starting lineup. I think that yeah, playing more minutes, more crossover with Adebayo and Lowry and Butler impacts that high usage and scoring that he was able to parlay into what's probably going to be a max deal and into that six-man-of-the-year award. I don't see how he repeats those numbers that he had last season where he had way more opportunities to be the guy with the ball in his hands and to run things, and when you're in that starting lineup, Jimmy's going to handle it, and Lowry's going to have it and distribute, and Bam's really good at that as well. And not saying Hero doesn't get his shots because he is the second-best scorer out of that group, but I just... I, I thought it worked so well. I don't know why why you would change it. I agree with you that they're going to move that. It just feels that there's pressure coming from Hero and that they want him to start. And this this is what's going to happen. I just don't know why you change it up. Because you got to see what you have in him. I really do.
1: I, I think that there's a, I, I agree with everything you're saying. He's going to have to get better in order to secure that starting job. Right? You need to thrust him more responsibility. You got to put more on his plate and see if he can meet that challenge in a way that he couldn't a couple years ago. I do think that the team needs to maybe veer a little bit more away from the playmaking stuff with him because he's not a natural playmaker. And if you put him in a lineup with Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam, those guys are natural playmakers, and that could ease the burden on Tyler Hero a little bit uh, from doing that. And his catch-and-shoot numbers, his off-ball shooting numbers, are really, really strong. And if you kind of tilt his game more in that direction – think it makes a little bit more sense in the starting lineup and that could ultimately be where his higher ceiling lies is maybe more of a off the ball shooting threat to space the floor around guys like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo who could still do some stuff as a secondary ball handler um, slashing threat kind of go up against a bent defense on the second side um, and that kind of thing but you're right like it's going to be an adjustment for him but there's a way that it, it works and there's a way that it it fixes Miami's offense because when you don't have PJ Tucker, when you're already playing small with Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin or Haywood Highsmith or whoever it's going to be at that four spot, um, this is a team that's going to need to make up the the defensive deficiencies. I think they'll still be top 10 defensively, but they won't be elite the way that they were last year. So where do you make that up? Well, it's not going to come from Haywood Highsmith or Caleb Martin playing the four. It's going to come from the offensive side. You're going to have to get better offensively, especially with the efficiency numbers. And Tyler Hero was an efficient, like I said, a, a very efficient off-ball Um, And catch and shoot uh, three point shooter last year. So if you can do more of that in your offense, um, I think it'll be helpful. Also, just a fun fact with Tyler Hero um, averaged the most fourth quarter minutes on the heat last season. So playing against starters at the end of games in crunch time, not a new thing for him, especially playing with guys like Bam and Jimmy and Kyle, who are often in there at those points in the game, too.
0: In the past with Hero, not to, to beleaguer the Hero stuff, but in the past, not so much last season, but where he really was able to put up big numbers was in games when Jimmy was out. So Jimmy would be out, Tyler Hero would step up and put up big numbers. And there'd been issues with his productivity starting in a lineup with Butler that he sort of just couldn't really find his spot. Now that did change last season. They crossed over quite a bit. But in the past when starting with Butler, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, oh, Butler's out, Hero starting, that's great. Butler's in, Hero starting, that's not good. And that's that was quite a pattern that had happened prior to this year. So that will be intriguing to see how that happens. In terms of the rotation, guys, you've got Vincent, Struess, Oladipo, Highsmith, and Dedman. There are two names that people will see are missing out of that group, which we are going to talk about a little bit later on. That's Omer Yetseven and, of course, Duncan Robinson. Um, I want to focus here on Oladipo. He played like eight games, I think, in the regular season. Played in, in the playoffs somewhat. There's a lot of talk. Oh man, I saw flashes of the old Vic. I, I don't really see that. What are you expecting? What are the heat expecting from him bringing him back on that $11 million deal? What are they seeing from him? Or, or did you see the flashes that yeah, he could push into a large role and get you know, the bulk of those bench minutes?
1: Well, that's the other reason when, why you move Tyler hero into the starting lineup is to open up that six man role for Victor Oladipo. Uh, they need to see what it is that they have in Victor Oladipo this season because he has not had a training camp with Miami. They got him two years ago. He got re-injured. He missed all of training camp and obviously didn't play until the latter part of the season. Like you mentioned, only played the last handful of games of the regular season. And there are moments he scored 40 plus points against Orlando in the season finale. And some people kind of, you know, threw that out. And it's like, well, it was the last game of the season. Nobody was playing their starters, what whatever. But it's like 40 points in an NBA game is still sort of a big deal. Um, and in the playoffs. The Heat relied on Victor Oladipo quite a bit. Now, there were definitely injuries to Kyle Lowry, to Tyler Hero, to Jimmy Butler at different points. and Victor Oladipo was healthy at that point. But I think they liked what they saw from him in terms of his on-ball defense and just his willingness to slash, to get to the basket, and to be a shot creator on a team that just doesn't have that many shot creators. When you look at guys like Bam Adebayo and Kyle Lowry, who have historically been a little reluctant to look for their own shot. Jimmy Butler – in the regular season has been pretty passive too, even though in the playoffs that is not much of an issue. Tyler Hero was injured last year in the playoffs. And so Victor Oladipo played that that role for them, but they just needed somebody else to be an outlet of offense. And so I think they liked what they saw from there, and there were flashes defensively. Um, The three-point shooting came and went. Uh, They'd like for that to be more consistent, but I think they're excited about what Victor Oladipo could look like with a full training camp um, and preseason and an opportunity to go out And win some minutes and win a a prime spot in this rotation. And I think again, part of moving Hero into that starting lineup, which I don't mean to talk about this like it's a sure thing. Vic Max Struess was starting by the end of last season. Tyler Hero is going to have to earn that job. But if you do move Hero into that starting unit, that opens up that space for Victor Oladipo to be the new sixth man of the year for Miami. And I think that's what they would like to do.
0: Uh We'll talk about those other guys that I mentioned a little bit later on. This is not a young team. There's only one player that's under 22 on this roster, and that's including the two-way guys who are, who are not, you know, they're not super young players. In days. who is actually he, he's over, he's, not, he's under 23, but he's not under 22. And Garrett, who's almost 24. The only guy is Jovic, who they picked there. This is um, they're great at developing players, but they're just going to develop him in the G League. I'm guessing most of this year, Wes.
1: I think he'll spend a lot of time in the G League. I they'll they'll move him up and down as you do throughout the course of the season. They're high on his future, but yeah, like you said, um, this is a long-term play. A guy who projects well as a potential fit next to Bam Adebayo when you kind of look at what you want from that spot in that power rotation. But right now, yeah, not much of a factor in the rotation.
0: We're gonna talk about um, some other interesting things with this team in just a second. But Wes, are you are you like me? Are you a, are you a long-suffering Miami Dolphins fan? I am.
1: I didn't realize you were too.
0: Yeah, we're uh, pinning all our hopes to a gold, good old tour Tagovailoa this season. Yeah. But uh, if you want to have a bet on any Miami Dolphins games or check the lines for any of their games, the number one place to go is BetOnline.net. It is your number one source for odds, lines, and games. In fact, we've got a game against the Eagles coming up this week on uh, preseason action and a three and a half point favorites. So we'll see if that means anything. If two is even out there for that game, or if it's uh, more of the Teddy Bridgewater show. But if you want to check anything, Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL. NBA, college sports, e-sports, combat sports, whatever. BetOnline continues to be that top online resource for all of your sports wagering information, live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that's happening today. BetOnline is where the game starts as my dog decides he wants to get up while I'm talking about BetOnline. Um, all right, let's talk about this question. This is something I, I troll through. Troll is the wrong word. I, I, I look through... I lurk, maybe that's a better word, through plenty of teams subreddits and see conversations going on with plenty of, of guys and YouTube videos of many, many teams. And there and this happens in the fantasy community as well. They go, why can't, Wes, why can't we play Omer 7 Why is Omer seven not playing? He'd be the per- perfect fit. Next to Bam at a buy. That's right. Can- Bam's actually a four, guys, and we'll play him next to uh, Yet Seven. Oh, Yet Seven, he's going to be great. Fantasy people are saying this. Heat people are saying this. And then, of course, when Deadman and Bam came back last season, Yet Seven went back to scratching his ass on the bench. And there's obviously a huge gaping hole there at the four, which we talked about already, and people are going at it again. Well, why don't we just start Yet Seven and Bam together? So, c- can it actually happen?
1: Um. I do think that Eric Spolscher will experiment with Bam at the four because I think he's going to have to in certain matchups. And maybe in those matchups, Omer Yurtsevin does get some run. But let's also remember, to your point, Dwayne Dedman is also on this roster. They just signed him to a two-year deal um, with a a nice little chunk of money, by the way, um, which I'll I'll get to why they did that here in a second. But um, the Omer Yurtsevin part of it, they, they like his upside but there's things that he needs to work on, specifically defensively. He needs to be able to keep up defensively, and he's just not there right now. He's He's a good scorer. He's a good rebounder, but defensively, the foot speed isn't there. The the overall strength isn't really there either uh, to go up against a guy like Joel Embiid or something. And so when you talk about the matchups that you would be looking at to play Bam at the four with a more traditional five, it would be against a team like Philly with Joel Embiid or a bigger team that has a hulking... You know, uh, uh, threatening center, and you're really going to ask Omer Yurtseven to guard those guys? Probably not. At least not right now. And and, and as far as the Deadman point, I think he's the guy that you pencil in as your backup center. That's why the that's why he's on the graphic there, and not Yurtseven. But I also think that Deadman could be a guy that Miami looks to trade at the deadline because you have him at a four plus million uh, a million dollar salary, and that's a nice chunky piece that you can combine with another chunky salary and maybe do a two-for-one type of deal to upgrade this roster. And in that case, you would be giving half a sh- year, half a season, to Omer Yurtsevin to continue to develop, and then maybe by then, he's ready for the primary backup role behind Bam Adebayo. But, uh, so I could see maybe Omer Yurtsevin getting minutes later on in the season, but right now, he still, to me at least, falls under the developmental category for this roster.
0: It's crazy to me. He's less than 12 months younger than Bam Adebayo. Like, that's, that's, that's pretty crazy to me. Considering where they are in their careers, that's pretty uh, pretty wild. Now, speaking of Bam, last season, one of the things that I did get right when analyzing the Heat and the NBA was that the Bam Adebayo was going to lose a ton of ball-handling opportunities and a ton of assist opportunities, and that all went away because Kyle Lowry was getting the ball and doing a lot more with it. We saw Bam's usage go up, but that those assist numbers, which were so key to some of his fantasy value, that they just disappeared, and they just didn't run offense through him. Do you think there's any change in that this season? I think
1: they're going to try to utilize Bam a lot more in the offense. I, when you, it, it kind of reminds me of everything that LeBron says about Anthony Davis recently. Hey, we're going to run the offense through Anthony Davis. And the reason that the Lakers want to do that and LeBron specifically wants to do that is to sort of keep the load off of him a little bit more in the regular season and so that he's ready to go by the playoffs. And I think you could see a little bit of that happening this regular season for Miami. Hey, let's take a little bit more off of Jimmy Butler's plate. Uh, let's take a little bit more even after, off of Kyle Lowry's plate and really put most of this stuff on Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, the young guys with the young legs, to at least carry us through that regular season. Obviously, Jimmy and Kyle are going to get theirs, right? Uh, but I, I could see them trying to force-feed Bam a little bit more. Uh, but they really want him to just score. And and the the most enlightening, maybe, part of Pat Riley's end-of-season press conference was talking about Bam Adebayo, and he gave a very specific number. He said he wants to get Bam Adebayo 15 efficient shots per game. And that would be up about two or three shots it's, per it's game from where Bam was last year. That's quite a bit. Um, but what is an efficient shot, right? That's sort of the question that that remark begs. And so, to me, it's not a three-point shot, not for Bam, even though he's been experimenting that with that over the summer. I we, Just wake me up when we start seeing that regularly in a regular season game, because um, that not, has not been the case for his career. And I don't necessarily know that it's the mid-range game, although he they want him to continue to work on that little 15-footer and get better at that and start to hover around that 40% mark from that range. But to me, that just means at the basket, right? That's an efficient look. If you can get him more on those pick and roll uh, opportunities at the rim where he's finishing at the rim and above the rim, that's the best version of Bam Adebayo when you're getting him closest to the basket. Now, how do you do that? Well, you involve him in the pick and roll. You involve him in those dribble handoffs. You involve him in all that stuff that, to your point, they started to take away from him a little bit last year to get Kyle Lowry more involved. I think they're going to put more of that on his plate. And if you put him more in those high post actions, he's going to find more playmaking opportunities. But He's also going to find more opportunities to get downhill and get to the rim. And so theoretically, ideally, that's what would happen.
0: It is going to be really intriguing because he did see a real change in his role. The assist down usage went up. He averaged over 19 points per game. He's still really useful. He's one of those centers, though, that interestingly just doesn't block really any shots. He averaged 0.8 blocks, which is pretty bad. Um, But usage was up at 25, which is something we'd never seen from him. So it was a real change in his um, overall game and statistical uh, distribution. But we've talked about a guy who's locked in as a starter, he's an all-star. What do we do with Duncan Robinson? What's, what's What next? Because he signed that huge contract five years, I think 80 plus million. He was a starter and then he's out of the rotation and you're expecting him to be basically out of the rotation most nights here again. Is like, what what happened? And where does he go? He's one of those guys that, that I talk about a lot on this show. Is that when someone comes in and they're a 44% three-point shooter, you love it. It's great. He's excellent. Uh, but then you, if you drop off and become 40%, that's still really good. But what else do you do? And, but he went mm-hmm. even worse. Like he shot 36%. And when you do actually nothing else, then you don't have a spot because you become a league average three point shooter. I expect the three point shooting goes up, but like, where? What is it? What the hell happened?
1: Yeah. You're exactly right. Once you take away that elite level, top 1% of the league three point shooting, he's not good defensively. He fouls way too much. So he has to be taken off the floor, even when he does get minutes. Um, he's an okay rebounder, not a good one. Um, and, and he's not very threatening off the ball or off the dribble, and that's an area where Max Struess does thrive, right? Max Struess is an underrated ball handler. Max Struess is a pretty decent rebounder at his size, and so you just sort of add, and then defensively, he's he's he was just better than Duncan Robinson by the end of the season, even though I don't know that that was the case at the beginning of the season, but as Max Struess developed, he became better at all these other things, and, by the way, he was shooting the ball better than Duncan Robinson was too, and so you saw him ascend and leap over Duncan Robinson in the depth chart, and I see no reason for that to change. Duncan Robinson has his work cut out for him in training camp. He is going to have to prove that he has gotten better at all those other questionable areas, and that that three-point shot is back to a top 1% in the league type of level. Because if it's not, I don't see I don't see the pathway to minutes. Now, in the regular season, maybe Eric Spolster will go 10 or 11 deep in the rotation, and if he does, then yeah, probably Duncan Robinson sees some minutes, but it's not going to be a lot of them. Right, And it will probably be mostly front-loaded at the first half of games. And then once the second half rolls around and Miami's trying to win those games, he he starts to come off the floor, as was the case last season. So to me, I'm interested to see what happens with Duncan Robinson. He's obviously the most logical trade candidate on this roster. I I do think that they were holding on to him for quite a bit uh, while they were waiting for the Kevin Durant and the Donovan Mitchell things to sort of play out because his big salary at about $19 million would have been needed, presumably – to facilitate a deal for one of those superstar players. Um, but now that those superstar players are off the table, at least we expect Donovan Mitchell to be pretty soon, um, do you then shop Duncan Robinson a little bit more? Can we go move his his money for a, maybe an answer at power forward or maybe some depth in that power rotation or something like that? Can you move Duncan Robinson now that you don't really need that, that chunky contract as much as you had when you were waiting for these other things to play out? um he's the logical guy to get moved and try to upgrade some other spots of, this, of the roster
0: who's a breakout candidate on this team it's a good
1: question um i think it could be gabe vincent i think it could be gabe vincent they really trusted him down the stretch and and i always say you know actions speak louder than words like teams will tell coaches will tell you who they like without telling you and you just look at the minutes as the season went on and specifically in the playoffs especially when kyle Lowry had to miss time they were cool running Gabe Vincent out there. Yep. They were good with it. Like, hey, he's our starting point guard, and we got enough. And they did in those in those first few rounds when they had to rely on him. And so um, he's going to be your primary backup point guard. With Kyle Lowry getting older, you can see his minutes maybe come down and Gabe Vincent's minutes continue to go up. We'll see again going back to what we were talking about with Lowry and his off-the-court uh, things that he's dealing with. If he has to miss time, they're comfortable starting Gabe Vincent, so he could be a spot starter here and there. And obviously get the lion's share of the minutes at that point point. and um the other part of his game that's interesting is that the heat brought him in and he was like sort of a more of an off the ball score first kind of guard when they acquired him and they sort of molded him into this sort of uh, uh traditional one ball handling point guard who can defend his position they molded him into that i could see them with the need for more scoring Start to, say, take the take the reins off of the the scoring part of his game a little bit more and, and empower him to be more of a scorer, especially um, in that second unit if Tyler is not going to be a part of it. They're going to need more scoring in that unit, too. So I think Gabe Vincent could be that breakout. And I wouldn't sleep on Tyler Hero. He took a huge leap last year. I just do wonder if there's going to be a leap this year. You made an int- a good point earlier. Like, doing it against starters with maybe having to share the ball a little bit more could drop those numbers, but the efficiency might go up because those efficiency numbers went up quite a bit last year. If he could take another leap, the efficiency could be a breakout for him, but I, in terms of your question to me, if I was going to look at a breakout guy, it would be Gabe Vincent.
0: Sacramento Kings legend Gabe Vincent. What about a regression candidate? Uh,
1: I hate to say it, but doesn't it feel like it would be Max Struis, right? Like, How real is it? Uh, is this going to be Duncan Robinson 2.0? I, I don't know.
0: Um, no, I don't know I, that I believe in Max. I, be, I believe in him.
1: I believe in Max too, man. That's why I said I, I hate to say it, but I'm trying to look like up and down the roster like if there is a regression candidate, it could be Tyler Hero. Right? It could go the other way. I just I believe in the work that he's put in. Um, it's hard to say Kyle Lowry would be a regression just because of where he was last year. Jimmy Butler's regular season numbers were okay. Like they weren't great. Um, so I don't really know who the regression person would be. But if Max Strews goes, like you said, from a 40-something percent three-point shooter to something slightly less, um, I think he'll still get minutes because he could do other things, but that would qualify to me at least as a regression.
0: Is this team better than last season? No. Simple. All right. I think we've answered this next question as well. Who's the most likely player to be traded?
1: Yeah, it is Duncan Robinson. And then you you look, I'll say also uh, Victor Oladipo. You know, we're throwing his name in there. Another guy who... Was signed to initially a one year deal with the early bird rights, which effectively gave him a, a, a no trade clause, essentially, even though it's not technically that. Uh, Miami, I think, realized that and and renegotiated that contract to be a two year deal, thereby taking away that no trade clause, that that in, in, insinuated no trade clause. And so, uh, and that's another one I, I mentioned sort of a chunky contract, the way that they signed Wayne Dedman to. They gave Victor Oladipo an above market. Chunky contract hovering around nine million dollars as well, and so if Oladipo shows out in the early parts of the season, and Miami looks to maybe upgrade a roster with a two for one type of deal, Victor Oladipo might end up being the centerpiece of a deal like that. If that person is not Duncan Robinson, a player that like another team would actually be interested in. If Oladipo shows out, you could see him filling a need for quite a few different teams who might need a scoring threat off the bench who could play some defense. Um, you could pair Oladipo with a Dwayne Dedman or a, or a Caleb Martin salary. That's a nice kind of $10, $12, 13000000 million salary that you can move uh, to go ahead and acquire maybe a starting caliber power forward or something like that. And so uh, Victor Oladipo, I think, is also a prime candidate to be traded.
0: Let's get to some fun quiz questions to end this, Wes. These are the talent grades from Basketball Index, three-point shooting talent, playmaking talent, and finishing talent. This is from last season, and it's not just who had the highest three-point percentage. It's about... Difficulty of shots, contested shots, pull-up shots versus catch and shooter. The difficulty there. Basically, who do you think is the best three-point shooter? Finishing is you know getting to the rim, driving that sort of thing. Finishing through contact, your finishing talent there. And playmaking is about it's about assists, but potential assists, um, the versatility of passes, the location of passes, that sort of thing. So mm. I just want to see how the the hosts of these shows um, can you know d- how they view the team versus what those numbers would have would have spat out. So. Who do you think would have graded out as the best three-point shooting talent on this team last season? Just a heads up, really
1: quick. I'm horrible at trivia. I don't watch Jeopardy because it makes me feel bad about (laughs) myself. Uh, So (laughs) let's see. I I think three-point shooting, the way you described it, I think that's actually going to be Tyler
0: Hero. It is Tyler Hero. One for one, Wes. There you go. You're on on a roll. What about playmaking talent? This one's tough. Um, Is it Kyle Lowry? It is. That's two for two from you, Wes. Now. Let's have a look at this next one. Oh, okay. I reckon you might get this one as well. You might. Finishing talent. What do you think about that one?
1: Yeah, it's got to be one of two guys. And I'm going to go... I'm just, I'll go with Jimmy. I'll go with Jimmy here. Where,
0: where's Goldberg? Three for three on these questions. Let's see if wow. you can finish off with our final trivia question. How many times has Jimmy Butler played in at least 70 games in an NBA season? Whole career or just with the Heat? Whole career. Whole career. Uh, Twice? Wes Goldberg, that is exactly correct. In 12-13, <laughs> when he came off the bench, that's his second year, and in 16-17, he has done it exactly zero times for Miami. Um, He just he just gets hurt. Like That's just what happens to Jimmy Butler. He just misses time. And uh, yeah, we, so we are six years removed from Jimmy Butler playing in 70 games in an NBA season. You just dominated that, Wes, so I really appreciate appreciate your brilliance there. Thank you for coming on Locked On <laughs> Fantasy Basketball. What's going on at Locked On Heat at the moment?
1: We are going through all the Kevin Durant, uh, the, the fallout of that, what happens with the Heat's roster next, where can they go, and who's the next superstar that they're going to be chasing because we know that's Pat Riley's M.O. He has always got an eye on the next superstar that could shake loose. So That's what we've been talking about.
0: Go and check out Locked On Heat with David and Wes. Uh, Wes, thanks for coming on and chatting about the Miami Heat with me. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.